What is going on, everybody? This is Party Card Sports Podcast, Disc Golf Episode Edition. How's it going, Nate? Dude, it's going pretty good. I'm pretty excited. It was a pretty decent day for disc golf. It was a little cold here, but, you know, all in all, the play was decent. Don't believe what Nate says. It was freezing. It was feel my hands. It, it I can never cold. putt. I can never putt when it's cold. It's awful. It's awful. Excuses. Excuses. What I, what I really enjoyed about today, though, is even after league, I mean, no one really shot good in league, but it's always good just to get a good casual round with the boys. No, it was also awful. It was, oh, okay, guy. I, the mo- I, I stepped okay. inside. I warmed up. Just I stepped already. Uh, already. I stepped inside. I warmed up, and then I got I got uh, way too confident in the fact that I went back outside freezing again. It, it was actually worse than before. I'm about to just mute you for the rest of the episode already. I can't. I can't. I can't handle this. The only good thing about today is that it wasn't windy. That is that is true. Not a lot of wind, which is really you know uh special for this time of year uh where we live so this episode is going to be kind of about change and what we want to see in disc golf yeah would you elaborate on that some more so i mean disc golf like any other sport has an off season an off season where rules get changed by the organization players change sponsorships uh companies just like just like in any team sport or any other individual sport. So we have player sponsorship changes that we're going to start with. Obviously, I think the first one that we got to talk about, Simon Lazat. Moves from Discmania, where he's been for a number of years, has basically made that company what it is, in my opinion, was the face of that company. Moves to a surprising company in MVP for a 10-year, $10 million guaranteed contract. Yeah, um, I assume he's just chasing cash at that point and just wanted to go somewhere that was willing to pay him guaranteed money because uh, MVP is not a top-tier disc top golf tier company. yet. Never. What, what I think makes MVP not top-tier is that you can't get their stuff readily available. Some of their plastic feels good. Some of their molds feel great. But... If you can't get it readily available, why are you going to carry it? Why are you going to commit to a company like that? Which, supposedly, they now have more machines. They're trying to increase output. It's going to become more readily available, and they're going to have to. With a name like Slime Lazat that is on your team, he's going to push discs. People are going to buy that plastic just with his name on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it might be a little too late for... Uh, to get become a big name, maybe they might be able to compete a little bit, but it's too late to become a big name. We got Lone Star Disc who came out of absolutely nowhere and they're signed. backed by oil money. They're backed by oil money. Who cares what they're backed they by? They don't need to make money. They have so much money already. They're just doing it for fun. <laughs> and they're not. They're not, they're still not top tier. Not yet. They just, came out of nowhere. Lone Lone Disc, Lone Star Disc. Who? They had Chan. Well, we're talking Chandler about Kramer. MVP, and MVP's been around for a long time. Yeah, so so was Vibram, and then they just kind of disappeared. Yeah, Vibram was never a top tier maker either. So, so I'm I'm assuming he was just chasing some guaranteed money. I don't know. I also, uh, also like I also think that he likes to be different, and you know MVP is different. They they're all over mold stuff. It, it it it's a different type of feel. It's a different type of disc. They have Axiom too. Axiom, yeah. whatever. That's their basically non overmold. Yeah, right? that's yeah. it. 
Um, it's it looks like it's kind of working out for him so far. I mean, he's yeah. in the top ten right now in the LVC. So yeah, that's going. We'll on right see now. how the rest of that pans out for him. It'll be interesting on what disc they create just for him. Yeah, I think he, they have one. He's he's complained about. You know some of the higher speed drivers and how the rims feel. He's also complained about how the put, some of the putters feel. So I would assume definitely by the end of this year, he gets his own kind of overstable nine speed or a good twelve speed that he kind of basically collabs with MVP and creates for basically just himself. And then I also see him getting a, a putter or some sort of approach dish as well. That's that's also probably something he was chasing too. Is uh, he wanted a Paul Macbeth type of deal where Paul, when Paul went to Discraft, literally Discraft was like, what do you want to make? Yeah. We'll make it. And I bet Simon was thinking the same thing too. I think that's the next stop. The next tier for almost any player in disc golf is getting to that point where you get to a company that wants to buy in to you as a player to make molds with your name on it. Not just revamping old molds and put your name on it. Like, Emac did with the judge or Emac did with the truth. They're, they want to make new molds that you help design. So right now, uh, Simon has the uh, Eclipse Hex, but that was a Hex was already MVPs. What we're right. saying is that he will get to make and design his own disc to his feel. So yeah, yeah, every disc so. that you think that Simon has ever thrown with this mania He'll probably try to recreate in some way in an overmold form. Yeah, I believe it was so. the MVP. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so that's that's what I think he was doing. Uh, your your best buddy Nicola Castro also changed I can't, I can't mainly he, mainly he because mainly because he, he was forced to, to yeah. even though yeah. his family basically owns his second last chance. <laughs> so he's he moved over to Lone Star. Nathan brought it up Lone Star. Yeah. You know, like I said, uh, not a big fan of Nico. I think he has no spot in PDGA or DGPT. But Lone Star was nice enough to give him a charity spot. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have anything nice to say about Nico. Pick, I don't. Picked up a top tier pro really quickly. Top tier, my ass. Really quickly. Uh, top 25 right now in LVC. They also picked up Emerson Keith. And I think Emerson Keith is a way better disc golfer than Nico. Emerson Currently, Keith was up there as well. He's yeah. top 20 right now. Emerson Keith is the guy that uh, gives people like me hope who aren't six feet tall, and he still smashes the disc pretty goddamn far. Emerson Keith is like four foot nothing. Must be freaking nice to be four <laughs> foot nothing and still throw 600 feet. Yeah, but Lone Star is picking up a bunch of big names I mean, those, really those, quickly. Those are the two biggest names. But really they did quickly. Sign a lot of people. For just coming out. Right. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's just, I think Lone Star's, unless they've been in Texas for a little bit longer, but here in Kansas, Lone Star's only been out for this year. I mean, they, they came out late last Maybe year. Maybe six or months. A couple years ago. Uh, I haven't seen Lone Chuck, Star. Chuck came forever. back with a buoy, and that's what I was like. I was like, what's a, what's a buoy? What's Lone Star? And I threw it, and I used to throw, I, I threw the buoy for a little bit, and then I threw the Warbird, which I really liked. And then as soon as I signed Nico, Nope, came right out of the bag. Not throwing any more Lone Star until Nico's gone. I don't know. I feel I, I like the pla- I like the I like the feel the they throw gummy great. plastic they have. It's pretty. They're Bravo plastic. Yeah, yeah. 
it's pretty solid. Um, other than that, who else was moving? Anybody big move? I don't think Anthony so. Anthony A.B. Barella. A.B. Moves from Innova to Discraft. Joins Paul Macbeth. I'm not really surprised by that. I mean, him and Paul kind of have just, they go back from their from their days when Paul used to play with uh, A.B.'s dad, I believe, as well as just their time at Innova. So I'm not really surprised by that. Uh, Discraft still signing a bunch of talent, keeping their current talent with Paul Macbeth. Uh, they obviously have Brody Smith, who, you know, might, this year he might make a jump. It'll be interesting to see what Brody Smith does. And uh, obviously they have their female talent with Paige Pierce, who kind of dropped off last year, but we'll see how she kind of responds this season. And I think, okay, so the AB move is great for him. I like that. I think Anova has way too many people for their own good. Like, I mean, they kind of own the market when it comes to big-name players besides Paul. Um, so AB's move, getting away from Calvin Heimberg, getting away from guys like that where he's closely related and going back with Paul, I think is a good move in what, my mind. What I don't like is... Yeah, you said it like Innova has these big name players, but they're not at the top tier of players. You look at the top tier of players, a lot of them come from Discraft. Yes, Innova does have Calvin Heinberg, Nate Sexton, another big name, but he's not up there in the top tier anymore. He 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 plays safe, he he cashes, you know, Germ, mostly known for his his antics, his his behind the camera stuff with Joe Mez. But when you when you look at Innova, other than Calvin, I mean, Joel Freeman, he places high every now and then, but his antics, you know, they kind of push my limits for my personal being. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, Innova's lost a lot of really good guys. Yeah, I believe so. And that's probably a good thing to other companies. Spread some money around. Spread, spread the it's, wealth. It's, let let everyone better. else have some. Yeah, it's better that... Uh, these players are going out and getting money while they can, and Anova, Anova really isn't shelling out a bunch of bunch of money. Calvin, I think, is getting a decent amount, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only other also you brought mm -hmm. up, uh, Paige Pierce. Paige Pierce. Uh, I think she got a little bit too big for her britches last year. I think she came in thinking I'm the best there ever was, best there ever will be. All this other stuff. And then a new face last year came into the play. And that's your girl. Who? Your girl. Who? Isn't it Tatar? Oh. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Chris that's, is Tatar. That's your Woo! girl. Dude, yeah, she's bad. Came out of, I don't know if anybody else knew about her. I didn't for sure until last year. She came out of nowhere and just kind of... Beat the brakes off the women's division. Yeah, she played really well. Uh, this year, she's staying more, at least from what I originally read, she's playing more in the States this year, even than last year. So it'll be interesting to see how she competes, you know, season basically all year round in the FPO division uh, during the DGPT. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I, I think the women's division has needed – it, it needs it needs a good rivalry. It needs it, good. It needs a rivalry. It needs uh, it, need, it just needs more competition too. Yeah. Like 
I'm, I'm tired like, of seeing the same women up Paige, there every week. Paige literally had Katrina Allen to face. And then Katrina Allen kind of fell off the last like year or two. I mean, she she kind of made a comeback last year, and I yeah. think she's gonna she's already starting off pretty strong this year in the LVC. And but pa- but, but Paige, Paige is a nice. yeah, and but pa- there was times, multiple times the last couple of years where we'd look on the score. Oh, how's it? How's FPO going? Paige is up by eight strokes. Yeah, so she beat everybody by eight strokes, and it's boring. There's no real competition, and then last year. Every single week, it seemed like there was close matchup in the yeah. FPO. Yeah, we'll we'll touch a little bit more on the FPO here in a tad. Uh, one more big change in disc golf when it comes to sponsorships, or almost lack thereof a change so far, is Gannon Burr. Minutes, hours before the All-Star event last weekend, Gannon announces, I guess no, it was a couple days before the event actually started. Gannon announces that he's going to leave Prodigy. And turns out Prodigy did not like that. They are attempting to sue Gannon Burr for breach of contract. Gannon Burr lists uh, five things, basically, why he wanted out of his contract. Number one, apparently he was uh, owed some signing or some bonus money. Apparently $500, and it wasn't paid to him. Uh, he was only given one tour series disc that he didn't, he didn't even get to pick, and he was promised two. Uh, Burr did not ever receive a sales report to demonstrate royalties on disc that he should have been or might have been paid for. He was not given a Rookie of the Year disc for his accomplishment last season. And I think the big thing that really kind of ticked off Prodigy was his take on their poor quality control and the inconsistency of their molds, as well as mostly the flashing around the rim, which I I agree. Flashing around the rim, that irritates me. If I grab a disc and there's flashing on the rim, I'll put it right back. I'm I'm not throwing that. It hurts. It's not comfortable. It's just bad to throw for my hands. To listeners that may not know everything about disc golf and they're just listening because they listen to our football podcast as well what explain what flashing is to them so flashing is basically just extra material around the rim of the disc kind of where you would want to grip and it kind of sits in the weird kind of padding of your hand when you grip into it and there's that extra flashing that extra material there it's sharp it kind of eats into your skin it's not very comfortable some people like that feel i personally do not uh, it irritates my hand. It doesn't come out cleanly. It leaves scars and cuts on my hand. And when you're playing, especially in cold weather right now, your hand's dry. It's cold, so it's even drier. The wind is going, which makes it even drier. And now your hand's getting cut up by the flashing on your disc. It's just not comfortable. It doesn't feel well. And basically, it's just, it's it's a preference. You basically have to use like a scotch Bright pad or something before you even use it. And kind you're, of not, you're not even legal to, to do that. Technically. Technically. No, you're not. Um, I agree. I Man, I, I agree with what Gamber's problems with is I've never been a big fan of Prodigy. Same. Straight up. Like, Prodigy's, first of all, let's be honest, Prodigy's plastic comes from China. A lot of the plastic comes from China. Not a fan of that at all. Sorry. China. Um, then, like, like Nate said, there is flashing on every single disc. I've, every Prodigy disc I've ever picked up, 
has flashing on it. it has that extra material that's going to cut you it's sharp it it it's unneeded it's bad that's bad quality control and i i totally agree with Gannon that it happens way too often especially for a big company a big i'm putting quotation marks around a big company and they obviously didn't pay him his money that he was due yeah which automatically right there he should be able to leave how are you not going to be able how are you not going to pay the best player on your team that that's just freaking crazy. This yeah. type of season. Well, that that's he had, what they said, and right? he didn't pay the man. They 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 specific. And who's, I, who's they? Prodigy or Prodigy or specifically said that he was. He, they're their. That's their number one guy, right, which is right. weird because they have Kevin Jones. Oh, get Gannon Burr outplayed Kevin Jones almost every tournament last season. Kevin Jones currently is in the lead right now in LVC. Well, that's great. Look back at all last season. Okay. Actually, sorry, second. Because <laughs> Gannon Burr, who played fantastic almost the entire season. Kevin Jones, yeah, he played okay. But Gannon Burr was the guy hey, man, for Brody. Kevin Jones was trying really hard with that underrated trash plastic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't get me wrong. I love KJ USA. He's a dude. And watching him throw some of the shots that he does throw, especially the grenade, it's fun to watch. He's a he's a great personality to watch. Uh, I honestly I hope he leaves. I hope KJ leaves Prodigy. Soon. My, my, I hope my, everyone leaves Prodigy. Soon. My understanding though is that they didn't pay him his money. Um, anytime I hear that a big company doesn't pay their guys their money, I instantly will. No matter what else the player did, I am faulting the company and I'm gonna stick with. The pro, the the player, every time. So Prodigy does come out after Gannon comes out with all these allegations. Prodigy does end up allegedly paying him his five hundred dollar bonus. Allegedly, Prodigy is saying that well, the the rookie of the year disc that wasn't in the contract, so therefore it's not breach of contract. They're basically being really kind of wishy washy, being real technical, like a company would do in a contract lawsuit. So, uh, they really want to retain Burr. They're really suing, not really to financially harm Burr. They're just suing Burr to keep them on Prodigy. And at some point, either the courts are going to come out and say, okay, Gannon, you, you have to finish out your contract. And at that point, Gannon, it, it'll, be a, it'll be up to Gannon whether he continues to play at a high level for a company that he doesn't want to be with or he's just going to kind of meander on through his contract and look to move on. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he responds, whatever the outcome is for this contract lawsuit. I think I heard that one of the companies wants to pay to help him get out of those charges. Yeah, I had not heard that. I think it's Discraft. That once, because like Discraft wants to sign him, I heard that they were gonna be willing to, with his contract, with a new contract with them, pay for the lawyer fees to get out of this contract. That would be that'd be. I had not read that. I it's just a little thing I saw. I don't know if a hundred percent if it's true or not. That could be all hearsay, you know, internet mumbo jumbo. But that's what I've heard. Um, I wouldn't. I think I think he'll win, just on the fact that 
If, no, here's if if, we, if it's, it's pu- if he'll win on public opinion easily. Right. Everybody already knows that. He he may not win the actual court case because he won't have the lawyers to fight it. Unless this crap wants to pay for it. Unless someone else wants to pay for it. I, I think the only way that he can and can get out of this and leave Prodigy is if another company does step in and like, hey, Prodigy, we're going to pay you a settlement, yada, 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 like like you're saying. Other than that, Ganenberg is going to be stuck with Prodigy for the remaining of his contract. I don't know the full details of his contract, but hopefully Ganenberg gets out of Prodigy eventually, sooner rather than later. He's a good player. He doesn't deserve to be treated this way no player deserved to be treated this way by any company but but okay no matter what prodigy has lost in this even if they retain oh, yeah. Ganon Burke, oh, yeah. if you look at the internet right now everybody's trashing prodigy yeah. um there's people doing the whole burning jerseys and throwing away discs and all that all over so no matter what Ganon Burke has it may lose and may have to play with prodigy but he prodigy, still wins. prodigy lost in and this whole thing. Especially when they come out and say that Kevin Jones is a B-tier disc golfer. Yeah, they said... They, I, I can't believe they said that. They did. They did or something along that lines. I'm, they, I guess I'm not quoting. What they said in... Uh, I'm going to... I'm not going to quote them directly because I don't know 100%. But what they said was, is Gannon Burr is the number one player and the most important piece at Prodigy. Well, they got a weird way of showing that. Yeah. Especially, and it's, and it's just like like you said, it's, it's basically calling people like Kevin Jones, like, oh, you're not as important. Yeah. Because if this rookie <laughs> comes in yeah, and now he's the one, most important. Well, it's a one-year wonder. I mean, there was that Peyton Hillis guy. I mean, that's football, but still, one-year wonders happen all the time. I mean, and they also have Luke Humphreys, and I, I don't... I'm not saying Luke Humphreys is a A tier, S tier guy, but he's definitely not like someone to be overlooked. Yeah, he's not a scrub. Yeah. So, they're they what they basically did is be like, this is our this is our Paul Macbeth right for Dishcraft. Right. But then they're like, and everybody else is our street team. That's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what they put them on a blast that's, like that. That's wow. kind of what they did, you know. And so, uh. I'm wow, I'm I'm not a fan of Prodigy. I never was a fan of Prodigy. This makes me like him less. So right, I mean they've had a couple couple decent molds that I liked, but other than that, really wasn't a big fan. I don't like their plastic. I don't like their disc. Uh, you know when you're pro shops around the city can't move the plastic. Something. I mean it, it's really saying something, especially when. People try to push it, yeah, and still can't sell it, and still can't move the plastic. That's rough. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting what happens to Prodigy, what happens to Ganon Burr, uh, whatever does happen. I I hope it works out in Ganon Burr's favor, <laughs> and you know, Prodigy really could be on the losing end of this one, and it could. I think it really could cost them. I think it cost them their business. I, I think it's already costed them their business, but yeah, I, I totally agree with everything else you said. So uh, I know we didn't touch on all the player changes. There was just a too lot. many. Uh, there's a lot, and we just want to really touch on some of the bigger ones. 
Uh, Let's be honest. Big names are the only thing that really matters anyway. And disc golf, absolutely. Disc golf still isn't quite big enough to where, you know, we care about the middle of the road people. Yes, we care about the middle of the road players because they do make up a bulk of the pros that we want to watch and the pros that are scoring. But we all know we want to watch and we want to talk about the big names, the Simon Lazos, the Eagle McMahons, the Calvin Heimbergs, the Paul McBest. That's that's who we want to talk about. That's who you guys want to talk about. That's who you want to watch. You don't want to watch some Joe Schmo on Joe Mez show out unless he's going to show up for four rounds and then all of a sudden take it down. Exactly. I mean, that Joe Mez literally goes in and picks the lead card pretty much for every tournament anyway. So... That's that's what we're looking for here is top tier guys, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So keeping on this this theme of change, you know, every year the PDGA kind of goes in, they tweak some rules, they tweak some terminology in their newly updated com- competition manual. Great, it's great, it's fantastic. Went through the changes this year, really wasn't a lot of in-play changes from what I could see. Just some changing of terminology. Oh, you have to wear... They changed the terminology for a shirt to upper garment. So, not a big deal. The only thing that I saw in the rule changes, other than what we're going to get to after this, is they basically made A tiers and above. Uh, you you have to have a designated warm-up area, whether it's an open field to throw or... If you don't have space for an open field, uh, multiple throwing nets, and your practice slash warm up area has to have at least one target. That was a that was sparked by a certain tournament last year that literally didn't have anywhere to throw at all. Right? I'm not 100 percent sure, but I I do think if we are gonna grow the sport, uh, the way that we really want to. Pros and athletes and other competitors, they need to have a place to warm up. Me, I, I don't warm up. I mean, I might, I might, you know, throw like two times, and then take a couple putts, and then I'm ready to go. It's just like golf. It's just like golf. Yeah. You need to go out and swing the clubs beforehand, and then you know, you people have the ritual. And, yeah. You go out there and whip your arm around a little bit. Yep. So, yeah, and it needs to be more than just an area that you can like take your towel and do towel whips. Like you need to be able to toss it up shots. You need to have putting areas i agree i mean if you if you ever been to i haven't been in a while because of covid and they've made everybody pay now to come watch but last time we went to gbo they literally have a driving area they literally have a putting area and the whole country club is open to pros too as well so they have all that and that's how every place should be especially if they're going to be hosting Uh, a big a big event an nt a major uh, a DGPT Silver Series or Elite Series. Uh, A tiers are really big. So, yeah, I, I mean, I get the rule. Uh, it, it doesn't affect me very much because, like I said, I, I don't warm up too much. And most of the tournaments that we end up playing are, you know, shotgun start anyways. How does that affect uh, A tiers <laughs> in, in our hometown? Because you and me both know that certain courses... In our home, you said all A tiers, correct? Yep, all A tiers. So you know, certain courses here in town, right? 
don't have areas for that. So well, does that eliminate those courses? No, because if you if the rule says if you do not have sufficient amount of area to warm up, you have to have multiple throwing nets to, to where they can still throw. You're not going to be able to see the, the flight of your disc, but you can still warm up, throw full power shots into these throwing nets. But you uh-huh. also have to have at least one practice target, one practice basket. So, I see. So, so, yeah. So, we'd, we'd be covered in most of our courses. Okay. For an okay. A tier. Okay. Well, that, that's probably a good rule change. We, we're in agreement. that's pretty good rule change. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, like I said, it's not going to affect me. <laughs> but, yeah, it, for, for those that like to warm up and have their ritual, it's great. Go, go to your A tiers. It, it's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, I mean, makes sense to me. Other than that, there's just the one rule to get to. This is this is going to be hard to talk about. Uh, and we're, I really kind of wanted to do a deep dive into this, but... That's not this, our style. This topic, this... Uh, this trend, more or less. This, this is political. It, it's too political, and that's not what this podcast is about. We want to be about the sports. We want to be about the football, the disc golf, the entertainment. Sadly... This rule had to come up. And it's basically the rule regulating the the ability to compete in the FPO division as a trans woman. Uh, once again, very touchy subject. Uh, kind of hard to talk about. I do respect everybody's right to choose the way they want to live their life. I don't judge anybody, but... You cannot force anybody to accept that. That is true. Um, Here's the thing. They had to define how they were going to go about this. PDGA finally did define it. Some people weren't happy. But that's why there is a mixed division now. Well, it's, it's not really now. It's always it's been always like been that. Mixed, what people right. always confused is the MPO was always confused to be men's pro men's open. Pro open. Right. It's never been men's pro open. It's mixed pro opens. Females can, all, anybody, females, males, whoever can compete in mixed pro open. Yeah, there was that time that uh, Paige Pierce played in the MPO division when she qualified for USDGC, and then she proceeded to get her shit kicked in. Yeah. And that's yeah. why now they have the women's, like their throw pink tournament, which is their, the women's USDGC version, basically. Yes. Um, that has kicked out a certain player that uh, is an openly transgendered woman, Natalie. Natalie, Natalie Ryan. Ryan. Mm-hmm. And she was not happy about it. Uh, why would course. you? Be? I mean, but here's the thing I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it because my opinion on the matter is is that it's unfair to these women to have a transgendered female come in that has lived her life as a male for 90% of her life that is bone structure, muscle density, all these things that are so unfair to these women. And I think that the women of disc golf talked about it they let their feelings be heard i know Paige said something i know uh i think katina allen said something i think even nico came out i think a lot of people said something and 
it was unfair. A lot of people felt that way, and they PDJ had to make a change, or these FBO players that come out were gonna start doing something about it. Basically, boycotting. I yeah. think is what they were gonna do. Exactly. I think there was boycotts last year, to at some points too to stop it. So, if PDJ did did what they thought was best. And they did. And what I like is that they give a very clear guideline. And I'm not going to go into all the particulars, but basically the two numbers that we need to look at is basically a testosterone level below 2.0 nanomoles per liter. To put that in perspective, the average female is between 0.5 and 2.45 nanomoles per liter. So, yes, they came off the top end, but that 2.45 nanomoles per liter... That is your top-tier female athletes. Not disc golfers, athletes. And I'm not saying that disc golfers aren't athletes, but those are the women that are just absolute animals for being a female. And also, the next number is 24 months. They have to have that blood testosterone level of 2.0 or lower for 24 months and continue to have that blood test level below or at 2.0. Uh so basically, that almost discards Natalie Ryan for up to two years until Natalie Ryan can prove that, trying to stay off pronouns here, that Natalie Ryan has a blood testosterone level of 2.0 nanomoles or lower. <laughs> and Here's the thing. And this is not going to be a public opinion with a certain group of people. Certain groups. Yeah. I think even if you waited two years, it's still an unfair advantage, in my opinion. I'm sure there's scientific data behind these numbers. I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to research sure. it. But I, I think that... And I'm no scientist. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm no, no I'm no psychologist. I'm no scientist. I'm no, I don't have a PhD. This is all an opinion from right. a yep. guy... Uh, uh, first of all, a guy. This is all an opinion oh, from a guy. Yeah. So therefore, it doesn't matter anyway. So yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. So if you if you agree with my opinion, good on you. If you don't, good on you too. Yeah. I don't care. It, it's this great. is my opinion. It, great thing about this country is it's okay to disagree, and some people forget that. I know. It, it's just the fact that we have to, we're we're on like we're on eggshells just trying to even discuss a very important topic. Yeah, we'll, we'll be canceled also, next week. But also. I don't care. I don't care if you don't like what we talk about because it's, it's my opinion. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Get your own dang podcast. You can talk yeah. whatever the hell you want. Yeah, and and it's it, it, we shouldn't have to talk about eggshells about an important subject like this. That's it needs why to be talked that's about. why so many uh, women out there that actually feel this way are just getting berated and just getting silenced because no matter what you do, once you get on the internet. Got, these, all, the, got these all those keyboard warriors. Keyboard warriors yep. are yep. just gonna try to cancel you for valid points. It doesn't make any sense. So we both are in agreement. This is a good move, PGA. They had to do something. These FPOs, so. these FPO women were not gonna have it. They were there's something, something had to be done, and I think this is the most fair way to go about it. I believe so. And the fact that they came out with strict guidelines, I think just you know kind of puts the hammer down on like this is this is what we're gonna write down this is gonna be the rule this how we're gonna enforce it this is law yeah and i i think 
I think honestly, to make it, if you want to make it all fair, and I believe this is all sports at this point. If in you regard, want to make it in, fair in regards to female sports, female the female male, so like they're in this this I kind of brought brought up by fighting right, mm-hmm. you know MMA, uh, boxing stuff like that. There should be a male. There should be female. We all agree on that because there's right. definitely some differences physically between right, male right, and female. Right. Now, if you want to make it fair, honestly, then there should be a transgender division too. And I, I kind of thought about that. And in disc golf, it can't happen right now. Honestly, it's not big enough. Exactly. I think if PDGA decided to that's make why it, they're doing mixed. Right. If the PDGA would have done a trans division, it would have almost been a backhanded slap in the face to the trans competitors. Yeah, they're only it, facing like one or two people exactly. a week. Now, yes, they get some of that uh, was added cash, but the purse is so much smaller. So you just would have driven them out of the out of the DGPT anyways. You would have driven. Yeah, you definitely yeah. would have. Now, now, there's now no way they would have been winning. on the pro. Right. There's no way they'd been able to be on the pro tour. Right. They can still play in mixed. Right. There's, there's nothing against that. But there's a reason why they moved to the FPO division. Sure. Sure. Um, but like I said, th- I th- that's why I feel like all sports eventually, especially the big ones, right? Yeah. We're, if we're talking, like, I'm, this, my example really comes from fighting because the same controversy happened in the UFC MMA right. world mm-hmm. and where this transgendered woman that transitioned from a male was going in and fracturing women's skulls. And there was a problem. So, so they had to, they had to do the same thing, make specific rules, you know, concise so that that didn't happen anymore. Well, I thought the easiest thing for them to do would just be male, female, transgender. Not in a pool. That's, that's the hard part. Yep. That's the hard part. To be fair about it, there isn't enough pool, like like Nate said. So, it's it's hard, right? But if you if the, I'm saying if if everything was equal, that'd be the best way to do it. But you can't because right. it's not right. But you know, we 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 kind of stayed on this topic a little bit longer than I wanted. We got our personal thoughts out. Let's move on, and hopefully, we don't have to talk about this for a while ever again. Well, we're. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to come back up. If if Natalie Ryan has her way, it's going to come back up. Anyways, moving on. Uh, once again, we're, we're staying on rule changes. But in this scenario, Cody, what's a rule that you would like to see changed? What's a rule that's already in the book that you want to see changed, removed, altered? Or what's a rule that you would like to see implemented in it's, the PDGA? It's not really like a rule per se as a guideline. And that's like rating guidelines. I think it's it's kind of dumb how how simple it is to sandbag. Like it is so. Yeah. Okay. Bag it. We're, I'll start with MA four. Right. No one ever plays MA four. You barely ever see it in tournaments. Yeah, novice. Yep. Novice isn't really a thing. I, I've I've been in a hundred probably a hundred something tournaments, and I have never seen a novice division ever 100 100 tournaments it's somewhere around that line. i would say 100 events not tournaments i've been through thousands of events yeah, gaggle, gaggle. so so gaggle so, so first of all 
that's that rating is set at eight fifty in novice, and you never see it. So you, you got to try to shoot that low. Yeah, I mean, unless you're brand new. Yeah, you it, it's it's ba- it's literally four people that are brand spanking new to disc golf and want to get into tournaments, but you don't see it very often. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. That so they're negated to rec. Right. Rec stoppage is nine hundred. Listen. I'm Listen, ranked under Linda. 900. I'm ranked under 900. Yeah, you're not a rec player. I'm not a rec player. No, if I if I went and played, not. if I went and played with rec people, I'd win every. I'm not gonna say I'd win every tournament because I've had my bad you, tournaments. You, you definitely but I'd definitely there. be in the running every single tournament. I'm probably yeah. I'd probably win at least 70 percent of tournaments. It wouldn't be fair. Right. And that's 900. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to ratings, you gotta lower them. I don't, I don't really don't. I like the guidelines because it kind of gives people an idea of, you know, where they should play. But you take a nine hundred player from here, and then you take a nine hundred player, I mean, even from Topeka, or completely from, different. Yeah, completely different nine hundred rated players. Yeah, even from Oklahoma and Texas, those nine hundred rated players are completely different. Completely I bet different you, set of skills. I bet you right now, if you take a nine hundred rated player from here and put went down to. Uh, somewhere with less wind, like like you said, Texas. Well, Texas still got wind. Uh, but. Yeah, but it's not the same kind of wind. Uh, wind, let, wind is wind. It <laughs> no, blows. It's not. It goes, no, it's not. It's no, fucking it is wind. Not. Me and you both know Kansas wind is real, real deal. I mean, it can Just be. Go, yeah, absolutely. But so, you go, okay, fine. Send them down to somewhere in the south or anything like that. Like when there's, it's just calm days and stuff. Easy they're breezy. gonna shoot ridiculous. But. So and then, wooded players from like Minnesota or up north, North Carolina, South Carolina, they're gonna come, they might be able to come down here with these big open areas. But they don't. But they don't know how to bomb a disc in open field. Exactly. Let so alone play in wind. So the 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 differences are so so crazy. Right. But what I'm saying is is so right now mixed amateurs four is at eight fifty. I think we can negate that. Yeah, but here, we'll say they want to keep it because it's a PDGA thing. Knock that down to 800. So it should be everybody that's 700 and – or about like that 700 area, that should be all novice. Take uh, mixed amateurs, and I'm saying <sighs> mixed amateurs three. I'm, I, I'm, I'm going back and forth between 850 and like 830. Somewhere in that range. Because I I know people that are ranked right at like 850-ish. And they're still intermediate players. For sure. MA2. And MA2 is kind of ridiculous. Because you can stay in MA2 until you're at 935. Right. You can play for a decade and not be rated 935. I I touched 936 for a little bit. (laughs) And then went right back down. Uh, I think when it comes between intermediate and rec, I think it's a feel thing. I think I think it's a personal thing. Do you feel like you're confident enough to play in the intermediate division that. with better competition? No, I agree with you. For I, someone that is not trying to sandbag, I 100% agree. The sandbag, the whole sandbagging thing, that'll take care of itself. We already got it. We already know that. Yeah, yeah, but, but they still do it. Right. Yeah, for sure, the public opinion... People take over and talk trash, but they'll still do it. But like, why? Why, I, why would you sandbag and wreck? To yeah. win. 
So, so Ooh, for us, get so, for, plastic. so for our, we still win duck bucks, right? Woo. So it, for our, our, uh, our, gosh, dang, our pro shop, Use your words. we get uh, pro shop dollars if we win tournaments and we're not obviously professionals because you're not allowed to take money if you're not a professional. Unfortunately. So if they want to go in and they want to get hundreds of dollars in these pro shop dollars. money, yeah. then they can by playing rec. And you've seen that. We've yeah, all seen that. that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've... I feel, okay, listen, we started this uh, league in just recently and I decided I'm going to play in MA3 because I wasn't ready to jump up or MA2 there you go. instead of jumping up to MA1 in advance. So I was like, oh, I don't think I'm ready. I haven't beat my other buddies that jumped up. I haven't been even close to them. So I'm going to stay back. I've been winning those leagues by like a good handful of strokes. Seven or eight strokes each week. And, and not I feel, even playing good. Yeah, I'm playing yeah, terrible. Right. And, and so I feel bad about it. And that's in, instantly to me, like if I feel bad and I'm winning by so much, I'm sandbagging. First of all, I would agree with anybody right now that called me a sandbagger. I'm like, you're 100% right. I can't leave, though. We've already started right. this league, and I cannot switch because it's PDGA. Yeah, rate, ratings are a third difficult subject. Just for me. I, I want to I, knock I've, I've them never, down. I've never played rec. Uh, I never had either. Yeah, we just we just jumped in intermediate, not knowing what the hell we were doing. Played intermediate for a few years. Recently just moved up myself to play full-time MA1 in the advanced division. And, I mean, technically, I can still play intermediate, but I do think that I'm not an intermediate player. I, I think that I I can personally compete in the advanced division. I may not be the top tier, but I think I can always put myself middle of the road and have a chance. Here, here's here's my proposition. Jump, jump down everybody in novice 800 maximum. Jump down um, the mixed... The mixed, uh, stop that at like 850 for intermediate. Now, everybody intermediate above, or not intermediate, sorry, rec, rec 850, jump down intermediate 900, advanced is now 900 above, and then everything above that, once you want to go to pro, just whenever, that's whenever you want to jump to pro. Right, yeah, I I can see that. That's that's like I, I think nine hundred. You will have guys purposely stick right at nine thirty two, nine thirty three, right. just so they can stay in that. And th- then you got players like cool. me who never really have any ambitions of playing pro. I might dabble in some local tournaments, but I have no ambitions of ever playing permanently in the pro division. I disc golf was fun for me and i just want it to be fun i'll i'll be an ma1 player till i die till i can join ma40 yeah age protected let's go that's also you brought up a good point that's also something i want to bring into uh, disc golf. here we go the Listen, ma30 the dirty I am, 30 i'm currently old enough that if i wanted to i or if we made this a thing that i could be in it and that's an MA30. There's MA40. There's MA50. There's MA67. So on and so forth. Another 75, 80, 85. There you go. So I propose that we add an MA30. And the reason why is because 
you got guys that are going in advanced that these young kids that are like 18 to 20, 20 years old, maybe even younger at that point, that Smush. just absolutely dominant. Like on the, they're on their way to becoming pros, basically. Right, right. But they had to stop and advance on the way there to jump to pro. You got to pay your dues. So my thing is, is I am already at the maximum level that I will ever be at physically already at 30. Especially now that 12-year-olds are coming out and throwing 500 feet. Must be fucking nice. So I propose guys that don't, on, think, that don't think they can compete anymore in the advanced uh, league or, or even intermediate for some people now can join something I like to call MA30. The MA30. The and, Dirty 30 group. And I excited. think that would be the most competitive division in all. All of disc golf, besides MPO. I mean, I, right now, I know in our local scene, the MA40 group is really competitive. And yeah. Really solid and I think golfers. If you just look around at the same guys in our community that are thir- that are around 29 to 39. It would be nuts. It would be crazy. Wait, we got a lot of good golfers at that range between that all, about 29 to 35. That are all extremely competitive people. <laughs> yeah. And some of them are assholes. All of us are. Uh, Most of them. <laughs> so I, I got some couple hot takes for rules that I would like to see changed. You know, I want to get rid of the circle one. You know, get rid of one. Get get rid of the 33-foot circle. Get rid of the 66-foot circle. You're green. I, want, I would like to see defined as a 50-foot circle, and that's it. Your whole green is a 50-foot circle. Inside 50-foot, you have to put. No jump putt, no step putt. 50, 50 foot and a half inch, you can go ahead, step putt, jump putt, whatever. Uh, I think 50 foot is a is a good number. I think at 50 foot, most upper intermediate players, advanced players, that's where they start to lose more accuracy for their, for their power they're trying to put on their putt. That's because they suck. Hey, I, I haven't seen you hit a 50 footer in a while, son. So what? you just watch last your Friday, mouth. Last Friday, get out of here. Yeah, um, what, what was your score last Friday? It doesn't matter. Does, I won, it I doesn't won. matter I what won. your name is. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. I I I'm gonna be biased with this because I don't step putt. I don't jump exactly. Putt. Yeah. And in fact, when I try to step putt or try to jump putt, it just makes my putt worse. Exactly. Shut literally, your mouth. Literally, I can be a hundred feet away. And if my feet are planted and I get to push off with my back foot, yeah, I may fall forward afterwards, but I'm way more accurate when my feet are planted and I throw it. And so, and also, every time I've ever tried to do a jump putt or step putt, kind of looks it, bad. It makes it, it makes it way worse. So why wouldn't I want it? And when I see people that get to step putt and jump putt when it's literally like thirty three feet away. And it's so close, it makes no sense. Yeah, like, when you're more comfortable step putting at 35, 36 feet than you are putting at 29 feet, something's wrong. Yeah. Like, like it's just weird. And that's why step putters, especially at the pro level, are just getting too good. And I think that's yeah. why we need to kind of revamp, change it to 50 foot, a single 50 foot circle, and that defines the green. Yeah, if you take really good step putters now at pros, they are going to sink that because yeah. first of all, super when you, confident. When you when you actually do take that step putt, you are 
gaining like an extra foot or two on your putt, in yeah. my opinion. Like you you may not realize it, but when you step, like it doesn't it doesn't once your foot hits the ground, that's when you're foot falling. So you can take a huge step forward and snap the disc. Oh, well, James Conrad. Approach. And then as long, yeah, exactly. And then as long as your foot doesn't touch the ground before you release the disc, you're good. You're to go. good to go. And that might have added a foot or two to your disc. Yep. The other rule that I would implement, this might be a hot take, is that I think that there should be a designated official tee pad size size. Where it's eight or nine feet long, three for Provence. I I would say eight tiers and above. Yeah. Because eight tiers now have to have some sort of T pad. Yes. That's not natural. I would say, like, and I think it's. Let me me, me go on my rule. Okay. And you have to start on the T pad. There's no. Ooh, I don't like that. What I like about it is, is players are throwing, especially pros, are throwing too far. Eventually, we're going to run out of rooms. Run out of room to build these awesome courses. So we have to find a way to mitigate their distance. We can't make them not throw a long distance driver, but we can make them have a shorter run up. Sorry, James Conrad, but I don't want to see you freaking run up from a goddamn airplane runway. I don't want to see it. Here, here's my only. Here's my big problem with starting on the T pad. Is when there's inclement weather, T pads become extremely slick. Yeah, and then you're you're given allowance. And that's fine, but you have to be you have to start in the given allowance area and end in the given allowance area. But also like if I'm shot shaping you can I, you I can start, start you can start an angle. The T pad. So I hmm. Exactly. It makes it harder. But I suck. <laughs> well, I, I sorry dude. So. <laughs> Everyone else gotta play by the same rules. That's uh, I already can't throw it 500 <laughs> feet. You expect me to stay on the tee pad and throw it? it it'd be interesting. I, I would really like to hear people's comments on that rule specifically. Here, then it has to be, okay, you know a sidewalk, right? A right. regulation sidewalk? Right. It'd have to be at least three of those squares, I think. That's 12 feet. Has, I think it has right, Sorry, to, nine feet. I think it has to be at least that. Yeah, I would say nine, nine to eight feet long and then three, three and a half feet wide. I would just want it to be more consistent and fine and detailed by the PDGA on what an actual tee box is, especially for pro events. You know, we got tee boxes at our local area that are, we got one that's two feet wide, but it's 12 feet long. Yeah. And we have other tee boxes that are three feet wide and only eight feet long. Or shorter. Or shorter. We have, we have some run-ups now that are only like, yeah, and I mean two they, feet, three feet long. And, and Goddard, those tee boxes, little guys, little, little, little. You, I, you have to start off those. Now, this—that's why you—that's why I specifically brought up for bigger tournaments because if you don't do that for if you do that for everything, then half these courses right, right, lose. right. But there's no, there's nothing saying that you can't temporarily extend the tee box, you know, with a painted line. Sure. So one rule I kind of just came up with this on top of my head. I wouldn't like to see this implemented, but you know how in ball golf, they're only allowed to have so many clubs in their bag. I think it's 14 clubs. What if, how, how do you think it would change disc golf if players in tournaments could only have, let's say, 15 different discs with them? Think about it. You have two putters normally. 
you have your go-to driver, which you usually have two or three of. So now you're down to ten other discs to choose from. I feel personally attacked. And I don't. I feel personally. I, I, I carry I, like 30 different discs. Yeah, 40 I carry, different discs I carry about 35 bag. different discs in my bag. But I wonder how that would affect disc golf, especially at the pro level. I think at pro level doesn't affect them as much. I wouldn't I want to think that it would affect the the top tier pros. From when I watched when I watched in the bags, they have a lot of the same molds. Right. Just for slightly different things or slightly less broken, not broken. Right. But for me, that would suck. Because right. <laughs> I'm not good at manipulating the disc and the disc angles. I have. If I want something that turns over, I throw my meteor. I throw my leopard. I throw my vandal. I don't force stuff over. I don't like it. I'm, I suck at it. I'm not good at it. That's why I have discs that do that for me. I I literally have five different mid ranges in my bag. Uh, yeah, I, I different... mean, currently I only throw probably three of them. But you have round. them. <laughs> but I. Let's just in case, oh, here's another thing. You lose a disc now. Yep, got wait till the end of the round and replace it. Gonna be rough. Yep, it'll be interesting. I would it change scoring probably. Just, yeah, scoring I think would scores be. would come down a little bit, not too much. Would you still carry two putters? Yeah, hundred percent. If I had to build my bag right now on the spot, I get fifteen discs. I got two P ones, three Emperors, two Thundies, T Bird, Toro, Justice, Buzz. Meteor, Vandal, Tactic, got to have it. And then probably, probably Firebird or Max for my 15. This is, is going to be hard, but I guess I'll start with P2, both two of them. I have to have two. I, that's how my weight ratio works with putting. Right. Falcon, Scorp. X-Cal. There's five. This is when it gets real. Yeah, this is when it yeah. gets real difficult. Get away. Got, got to have at least two of them, right? Roadrunner. The roadie. Recluse. Badger. Buzz. See, night. you still got five more. You got the main set of your bag already. Throw another getaway so in there. Throw another getaway. Throw another, throw another in road there. runner in there. Throw another uh, Falcon. Falcon in there. Boom! You still got two more discs that you can pick. Zone. Oh yeah, yeah. And you need something more stable, like a like a Firebird or a Max in there. But you don't you don't throw those. Felone. Felone. <laughs> I'd got, probably actually put a. a in my I would probably put an extra instead of a felon. I'd probably put an extra okay. Xcal and it'd be a PFN Xcal. Ah, uh, if you could only find them. I have one. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But that's terrible. You know how many discs I'm leaving? I need, I need another. Road, I need. Right, like, right. I have three other Roadrunners in my bag, plus three or four other getaways in my bag. It gets ridiculous. Yeah. Plus, plus four Falcons, and I only have one score, but that's just I can't get them here very easily. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That just kind of came to my mind. I just thought, you know, would it be cool? Not really. It would be for pros. Just, if you want to do it, you know what? If you want to do it on the pro circuit, you know what? Go for it because you know when I'm I'm at the golf course and I'm just an amateur golfer going, you know, wherever. I can have like 20, 30 
golf clubs in my bag. Yeah. But pros can only have 15. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. MPO, yeah. 15 disc limit. Let's let's really screw with them a little bit. I'm, sure. I'm tired of seeing scores of 10 down all the time, damn it. These courses are hard and they're making it look easy. I don't like it. Uh, one final topic that we're going to end the show on. Live disc golf. How would you change live disc golf to make it better for the consumer? And how, how far do you think we are away from getting to that point? So these YouTube channels that are broadcasting it, plus uh, DGPT yeah. TV, is you know, the only options right now. None of them have that much money. Mm-hmm. Um, DGPT does a subscription, but they their broadcasting is mean mid at best. To be at honest, very best. Yeah, uh, their feed cuts out a lot. They don't have enough cameras. Let's say this. <laughs> Let's take golf for example. Right, golf. They have cameras on every hole. They're following they most. They don't have most cards, but they're following like the. So what, what golf does, they're following probably like the f- first five cards at least. Unless someone's having a hot round and they move the cameras over there. Either way, there's enough cameras there where you're seeing action for multiple different cards from multiple different people right. in the entire tournament. Yeah. Whereas DGPT, the only time where you're getting multiple different cards it's when there's a backup when there's a backup they kind of go to that for that next hole and then yeah. the most you're getting then is the the chase card yeah that's only that's only eight players in a tournament with well, most of these tournaments have 200 mpos in it right that's not enough i want to know if my boy like eric oakley is <laughs> something somehow having a hot round of minus 10 and making a run to lead card the next day what annoys me is where I'll be watching, you know, this live coverage. Right. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. This is the lead card. And then all of a sudden, like, towards the end, they go, oh, and also tomorrow you'll be getting this person in the lead card because he had an eight minus eight round and a hot round for the day. And I'm like, we missed it. Would have loved to see that. We, we missed it. Would love to see that. That must have been awesome. And – you just don't get that. Yeah. You don't get that. It's, it's not high production. It's the, the only high production quality we get is uh, post round coverage. It's post round coverage, yeah. which is great. Love it. Way more enjoyable. At, but at it the doesn't. But time. here's the problem with post round coverage. Most of the time, they're pretty decent at getting that out that night. The next morning, yeah. But yeah. when these big tournaments come you around, put your binders on. You gotta go social media blackout. Yeah, when when you get in these big tournaments, they sometimes have more difficulty getting that out before the next round starts. Right. And so, I want to be able to watch what's happening before I already see what else happened. There's multiple times where I've been on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where I'm not even trying to do nothing. All of a sudden, I'll scroll and I'll see. Congratulations, Simon Lazat, for winning da 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 open. And I'm like, well, no reason to watch it now. And it's su- and it's Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And I've watched round two. That's damn it. So annoying because I haven't seen three or four, but now I know what's gonna happen. Right. It's right. like 
if you've ever recorded a football game, but then you're recording it at home, and then your coworker at work or something goes, "Hey, man, you see the you see the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl on a last second bad call," and you go, "Well, no, I, didn't. I, I was recording that, but now it's." Oh. I mean, how when you watched the Super Bowl, right, pre-recorded, you knew it was going to happen. Was it boring? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a good game. It, it was a great game. <laughs> It was a good game to watch, even though it was recorded. It was still good to watch. It was still good football. Okay, but you know what I'm saying. Right, it, right, right. It ruined the surprise. Like you could have been pumped happened. up. Right. More pumped up. Yeah. It just, there needs to be some way that they can upscale, but I don't see it without going to networks, and I don't think networks help the consumer. I think it would help the networks and disc golf so how, like how, as a company, how but I don't far, think it helps the consumers. How far do you think disc golf is... From reaching networks and being able to be live TV for Well, the they had post-round coverage yeah, on I, ESPN. When I'm talking around post-round, post I'm talking I know. live well, action. What I'm saying is they had post-round coverage on ESPN last year. And the year before. Three rounds, three separate tournaments, two separate tournaments. What was that? Uh, was that about what they were? I mean, it was GBO and well, then, then... A couple years ago, they did the final round of GBO, or I guess it was DDO. And then... I think last year they did just the final round of Worlds or something like yeah. that. I'm not 100 percent sure. So if I if I had to track it right, depending on how those numbers went, if they're still doing post round coverage on ESPN now, I think we're and it's grown so much now. I think we're somewhere in the realm of five to seven years of live coverage from a network. Yeah, I, I can see five years. Five years for sure, and, and we may and by live too. Networks may not have to get into it if Jomez or DGPT or any of these other companies out right now can throw somehow throw some dollar bills in it, get some backers, and throw cameras at it and actually put out live stream content. They could take over too. Yeah, I think how I, I mean streaming. Sorry, not to cut you off, but streaming sites is what's taking over. Net, actual cable networks and TV, even though these big deals just came out, I understand they're dying to consumers. Like people our age and definitely younger mm-hmm. are not going to get cable anymore. They're getting YouTube TV, Hulu TV. They're getting but all uh, of, all those networks are still on that. Sure, and that, but and that's true. But in my mind, that's different. Then say that because I can pay a subscription to just watch disc golf, and that's technically not network. Yeah, if you're just watching on you know disc golf. Say if network. it's just say, let's say we get a a Jomez Plus, right? Let's it's like okay. all those other right. streaming sites, right, right, right. but now it's live and it's good quality, and there's multiple cards, just like a golf. Say if you got. PGA plus or whatever that is. Right, yeah. I don't know what it's called. Then that would be good. That, I think that would be the best case scenario for us as consumers. Worst case scenario for these people trying to benefit financially on disc golf. Eh, uh, I don't, I don't never see that going it that way. Oh. Punching the ESPN, the Ocho, the Ocho. Oh, now we're talking. No, how I envision disc golf 
in a, on a live platform would basically be in a way that ball golf does it where you have your marquee groups, your feature group that you're following throughout the entire round. And then for kind of those lulls while they're walking down the fairways, going to their lives, whatever you go to a feature hole. So, you know, a signature hole in the course or even two where you can still get constant action from earlier in the day, live at that point in time while your feature card is walking down the fairway. You know, that's that's the only thing about live disc golf now is that there's just not enough constant action you know, and there's just too there's too much lull between shots. You know what sucks about live disc golf? I just talked about it. I just I just told you. Is you know why Jomez is cool? Because it's Jomez. Personality. Just look at their commentators. Yeah, they're great guys. Great personality. Jeremy Cullen. Great guy. Nate Sexton, sometimes. He's a great guy. And Paul, <laughs> and Paul Uleberry. Those guy. are both all three charismatic knowledgeable, funny, smart dudes. Wicked. Smart? They're, they're goofy. Okay. I wouldn't say they're smart, but Nate. Nah. Nate is smart. He's a dad. He's got to be smart. Exactly. So, you know what the problem with DGPT Live? They speak real monotone, boring and like this. No and... offense. The one guy I'll back up because I, I, I like him is Philo. But Nate Doss is boring as hell. <laughs> I agree. And, he, and he does the, not do the Nates very well. And no offense to uh, the FPO coverages either, but I've tried to watch FPO early on in the day, and it's just boring. Yep. Like, the, the, the you need – okay, for example, I, I feel this way with certain uh, football announcers too, completely. But what I'm saying is, is give me somebody like a Pat McAfee. A guy that talks real loud and real fast and just gets right into it. And will just say it. stuff. And have fun, be funny. Give me, give me those guys on the live, and the reason, and then when those lulls happen, like you're saying, where now they're cutting to the announcers to talk, I'm bored. I'm, I want to switch the yeah. channel because I don't want to listen to Nate Doss and yeah. Philo talk back and forth between the two of each other while I'm waiting on Homeboy to walk down the course and throw his next shot. Right. Yeah. Now, but then again, though, you give me like a Pat McAfee, and and as someone else that's just as charismatic back and forth thing. I mean, I'm not saying specifically they should go get Pat McAfee. It'd be great to be down down about it. But what I'm saying is give me the personality. (laughs) Give me that drive like that. Right. And then throw them in there. And then I'm not wanting to walk away. I'm like, oh, this guy's funny. This guy's cool. I can watch this. I can listen to this. Oh, cool. Now it's the next shot already. I didn't even realize we were talking for that long. Yeah. That's what that means. Yeah. To make the next step. I think so. I think. That makes sense. I think they've fallen too much right now into people that are trying to talk knowledgeably about the game and, instead of just and, making it exciting. Yeah, and precise. They need to make it exciting. Right. I agree. That's the same problem I have with other sports that we won't talk about now, but add an element of excitement and you will grow it. I agree. Yep. There just needs to be a little bit more charisma in live disc golf. And I feel like they've tried, but they still haven't found it. And I think it's also because we've been spoiled with, the post-round coverage of Joe Mez Pro for so long and, and those personalities, that that's just what the, we expect. And they and here's the thing, DGPT can't pay them enough. Right. And, you know, they it's hard to do live commentary when you're also playing in the tournament. It, I've said out. DGPT a lot. Is that the correct term, or have I been butchering that the entire time? I mean, it, you, you can say DGPT, the Pro Tour, yeah. Yeah, okay. Or, or you know, PDGA. It doesn't matter. Well, it's they're, whatever. They're, they're kind of the same entity, more or less. It's just whatever they actually use for the TV. Yeah. I don't I mean, remember what it's called. I mean, Disc Golf Network, whatever. 
for their for their live services. DGN. Oh uh, yeah, yeah DGN <sighs> Disc Golf Network. So I was That's what I just said. It, yeah. Okay. It, same, 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 but different. Same, 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 but different. Doesn't matter. This is a chill podcast. We don't even care. <laughs> yeah. We we kind of like to be right. But anyways, I think that pretty much wraps up today's disc golf. What do you think? Um. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about all the changes and everything. Uh, anything you're looking forward to for this season? <sighs> one round at a time. One throw at a time. Uh just looking forward to some good weather. Hopefully, here soon. Only, only thing, <laughs> only thing I'm gonna say, and this is a hot take. I'm looking for number seven this year. You think so? You think the goats? I think for so it? every year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We've heard it before. I I didn't know you were actually talking about you know the pro season. Not that you're talking about my season. Oh, for my season, I'm looking to get um, not my first win, maybe my first uh, recorded win. That'd be great. Win. Yep. Um, trying to get above 900 would also be great. But also be fantastic. Join the club. Well, but that's about it. That's about it. That's been Party Card Sports Podcast, and that is disc golf wrapped up in a nutshell. Check out the LVC, the Las Vegas Challenge. It's going to come out. It's coming down. I think it's pretty close now. Uh, they got Saturday, which is supposed to be really windy and rainy, and then Sunday to just bring it on home. It'll be interesting on who brings that home, and then in a couple weeks they got Memorial and so on and so forth. They are in the season. For sure. For sure, and look, be looking out for that seven claw at the end of the season. Oh, my You goodness. heard it here first. You heard it here first, and we are on our way out. That is Party Car Disc Golf.